new year to all of you folks, and I hope that you all do have a great new year. And uh, when I went to college, we never did have all of this extended time off for Christmas. I mean, we got a couple of days before Christmas and maybe uh, three or four days after New Year's, and then we were back in school. You all, man, it, it's amazing uh, how much uh, time you get off. And then not only that, graduations uh, in May this year. Goodness gracious. And so you all uh, can uh, cram all of the whole year into a few days, really. But uh, God bless you. I'm glad you're here and hope that God will speak to your heart throughout this semester and that you'll stay close to the Lord. Uh, I want to preach about some things, uh, but um, I ask you to uh, help me for two different things. One is I have cataracts on my eyes, and uh, they're going to take one of them off about a week from Monday uh, on my left eye, and then the other one's going to be in the middle of February when they're going to get it off. Um, but So that's one thing. So I see double all the time. So there's twice as many students here as uh, normal. Uh, according to me, because I see double. There's two clocks back there. Uh, it's hard to uh, focus on things. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that's a fact uh, of what it is. And then when I look at my notes, uh, there's two lines of notes most of the time whenever I look at it. And so it's, um, uh, it's a little difficult. Then on the way here to this morning, I dropped my Bible in the slush. And all of my notes in the first quarter inch of my Bible got all soaked and so on. But uh, do you know that Romans 8, 28 says, All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And so all of the notes that are blocked out, I probably skipped those and uh, things like that. But we're going to have us a great morning this morning. And I pray that God will be with all of you as you go through to classes and study and stay close to the Lord. And uh, that God would use the chapel services to be an encouragement and a help to you throughout the semester and throughout the year. Let's open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, sure is good to be saved. It's good to be here in chapel at Fairhaven Baptist Church and Sir Fairhaven Baptist College. And God, I just ask you to please speak to our hearts even this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would help us all to look beyond the speaker and look to you, the author and finisher of our faith. And pray, Lord, that you would meet our spiritual needs today. And we just thank you, Lord, that you can and that you do meet our spiritual needs. And and I pray, Lord, that uh, you'd help us to just walk close to you this, year, this semester and uh, put you first in every area of our lives. And, and I pray, Lord, that you would help anyone that is contemplating uh, dropping out of school or quitting, uh, you'd help them to uh, not do that and to stay faithful and to just stay right in there and stick by the stuff and do what they ought to do for Jesus. And Lord, bless the ladies as well as the gentlemen and lead us today and for Christ's sake, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, one of these days in the book of Revelation chapter 21, verse number 4, it says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there won't be any more crying and no more sickness, no more pain, nor all those things that are mentioned in, in that verse in Revelation. But uh, all that will be gone. But until then, with joy we'll carry on. And there's difficult things happen in your life and there are times when you feel like crying and there's times that you will cry in life. And I want to speak to you about tears today uh, to help you with that a little bit. Uh, God allows you to weep. In heaven, when we get there, God will wipe away all tears. There won't be any more weeping in heaven. But here we have tears. 
Here, you have things that will break your heart. Here, you'll take a test and you'll find that you did not score as high as you were planning on scoring on that test. And it'll be a disappointment to you. And uh, negative things happen. When you're away from your family and some tragedy happens in your home or your family way back at home, uh, that breaks your heart and you wish that you could be there immediately to help them and so on. But uh, uh, I want to give you some uh, ideas about tears this morning because all of us are going to go through them. You know, there's some false ideas about tears. Whenever you look at the Word of God, you can see that uh, all tears are not necessarily the result of personal sin in your life. It may be that everything is right in your life and you're living for God and you're putting God first in every area of your life and God gives uh, some tragedy to happen in your life and the tears come and, and it, it um, produces a lot of uh, weeping and uh, there's examples in the Bible of individuals that had tears that uh, they didn't do anything wrong. And you think, of course, first about Job. You think about his life and how uh, he was perfect and righteous in the sight of God and doing what he ought to be doing. And yet he had all of these tragedies come to his life and it caused weeping and heartbreak and sadness for a good period of time um, and uh, broke his heart. Uh, Hezekiah in the book of Isaiah chapter 38, we find that that he uh, was uh, uh, in trouble. Uh, Isaiah came to him and said, you need to put your house in order because you're going to die and not live. Um, and uh, man, he he was all broken hearted about it. And he went to prayer and started weeping and, uh, and said, uh, Lord, I've been serving you faithfully for all these years. And I, I, I put you first in my life and, and now I'm going to die. And God uh, repented and changed his mind on this and sent Isaiah back and said, go tell him that he'll have 15 more years. Now, when you read about his 15 more years that he had, it might have been better had he died at the, before that happened, other than the 15 more years. But um, in John chapter 11, we find a place where it says, uh, where Lazarus died, you know, and then Jesus came and, and his heart was broken because of the broken hearts of those that he loved. And it says in John eleven thirty five, it says, Jesus wept. But I don't think that's the only time Jesus wept. I think he wept many times. It's not, a, not even mentioned in the Word of God uh, because the Bible says if everything was written, even just about the love of God, the whole world could not contain the role, uh, whole of the things that could be written. And, but uh, remember how uh, uh, Jesus was standing overlooking Jerusalem and he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft would I have gathered thee together? And, and so on. And, and anyway, I believe that he wept there. It was at that particular point. And there's probably many other times. Uh, I would imagine that especially in his heart, whenever he was getting ready to be crucified and he looked up and saw uh, the apostle Peter uh, deny him for the third time and their eyes met, I'm, I'm sure that Jesus was weeping in his heart at that particular moment. And you know there's times in your life. When you'll have to weep. When you'll need to weep. And you will weep. Sometimes your heart will be broken. And you'll turn to the Lord hopefully. And, and get that solved. But, but uh, uh, sometimes. But it's not always because of sin in your life. Sometimes. Uh, some people think. That it's never God's will. For his people to suffer. Or to weep. 
You hear these uh, different preachers that preach and they never talk about anything negative. Always talking positive about things and never telling about anything that's, that's uh, sin or wrong or that could happen in your life. And, and these prosperity preachers that say, uh, uh, talk, talk about how to get rich, you know, and so on. And send all your money to me, they say, and you'll get rich. And of course, uh, uh, that's not how you uh, get rich. But anyway, uh, that's, a, that's a false thing. That, uh, so, you know, and there's also the idea that uh, Jesus and salvation make life easy for Christians. But do you know that because you're saved and you're on your way to heaven doesn't mean everything's going to be hunky-dory and great in your life the rest of your life. You're going to have difficulties and you're going to have problems in your life and they're, they're going to come. And uh, uh, I have these uh, uh, three pages I typed of, uh, down of Scripture uh, that I'm going to give you this morning. Uh, I'm not going to give all of them to you because some of them are just unreadable. But uh, Luke chapter 12, he says, I am come to send fire on the earth and what will I if it be already kindled but I have a baptism to be baptized with and how am I straightened till it be accomplished? Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on the earth. I tell you, nay, but rather division. <clears throat> For from henceforth there shall be five, uh, f- five in one house divided, three against two and two against three. The father shall be divided against his son, the son against his father, the mother against the daughter, the daughter against the mother, the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law, and uh, these things. In other words, it's not going to be just wonderful for every Christian in this world all the time. You're going to have difficulty. The thing is, is until you grow in the Lord, difficulties when they come to your life are just going to about make you throw in the towel and quit serving God. Some of you men, when you're pastoring a church, and it's your first church you've ever pastored, and uh, some problem comes to the church, you'll start wondering, did God really call me to preach? This is a mess. I don't know what I'm going to do in this situation. And uh, the devil will tempt you to quit and throw in the towel and and resign the church and and go... uh, uh, be a plumber or something the rest of your life instead of a preacher. And uh, right now, maybe you've had a difficulty or a problem in your life, and, and the devil's after you and saying, you know, you ought to just quit that college. You ought to just stop going there. No use to finish it now. Man, though you flunked that test or you made this bad grade and uh, all kinds of different things the devil argues with you about. <coughs> but, uh, you know, it brings glory to God. When, in, when a Christian gets to the place where he can endure suffering with his head lifted up. I remember a few years ago there was a car that was going from uh, north out of Chicago. And the truck in front of them uh, had, was carrying some steel. And a piece of that steel fell off the semi-truck in front of them. It went under their car and up through the bottom of the car and busted their gas tank. And their t- car immediately burst into flames. They slammed the brakes on, got over the side of the road. The mom and dad got out and were trying to get their children out. And five of their children burned to death in that fire. And they were witnessing to the police officers, because it was a preacher that had the accident. While their children just burned up in this fire, and they were witnessing to the police officers. That's amazing. They went to the hospital where they delivered the children to the hospital and the mom and dad were there and they were 
comforting and witnessing to the nurses and the doctors at the hospital. Man, after losing five of their children, now they had two more that weren't with them that day, thank the Lord for that, but uh, they lost a lot of their family in that day. But problems do come, and Jesus and salvation, uh, you know, uh, there's joy in serving Jesus, but sometimes joy turns to heartache, and we ought to serve God through the heartache also. Whenever something goes negative or bad, just keep on serving God. And I could give you personal illustrations in my life uh, that, uh, that, that's happened to people that I know or loved ones that I have, and it would break your heart if I was able to share these things with you. But, you know, uh, there's also the false idea that God can get glory from Christians' suffering. Do you know, uh, uh, the Apostle Paul and I'm not going to read the passage of Scripture, but there's a passage of Scripture that talks about the Apostle Paul. He said, I've suffered shipwreck, shipwreck, I've been beaten, been left for dead, been all these kinds of things that he went through, and you all have read it before. But uh, he didn't quit. He kept right on serving God, and uh, he was left for dead outside this city, and he got up and he brushed himself off and went to the next city and started preaching again. And folks, whenever Christ is real in your life, It makes a difference and he can help you through your difficulties and your problems and your heartbreaks. But, uh, uh, you know, you don't want to quit just because you have a difficulty in your life. Um, (coughs) uh, There's clouds, there's thorns, there's bad situations. Uh, Maybe when a child that you have gets sick or diseased. Or perhaps when a drunken driver kills your family member. (coughs) Or perhaps when you're... Mother-in-law comes to visit you. That's just a joke. Uh, Maybe uh, uh, when the doctor says you have cancer. Perhaps when the bank sends an overdraft. And uh, when tragedy comes. And uh, let me just say that things happen in your life that are heartbreaking. I remember when I was in college in uh, Springfield, Missouri, that uh, we always got our mail just before chapel. And uh, we had mailboxes, and uh, I would always go by the mail room and get my mail before I'd go to chapel so I could read my mail during chapel. Uh, and uh, anyway, this particular day, I was uh, uh, going with a young lady that was about 200 miles away, and I had a letter from her. I thought, oh, wonderful, got a letter from her. So I opened it up, and my name is Roger. But it started out, Dear John, and you know what it was about. She was through with me. I thought, she must be retarded. Why would she not want to go with me? You know, and and so anyway, uh, I went to chapel and I wasn't uh, too happy. Sat down in chapel and And the song leader gets up and says, hey, let's all stand and sing. I didn't feel like standing and singing. I was sitting there heartbroken. I wanted to cry. But I stood. And they were singing, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And I thought, good night, this is not one of them. And I didn't even sing during the first verse and so then they sang it again and and uh well I just kind of 
hummed along a little bit. And do you know that during that chapel service, somehow God lifted my spirits up to where I was able to cast that burden on the Lord and trust Him. My flesh didn't want to do that, but my spirit made me do that. And folks, whenever you put God first in your life, you'll find that He will bring you through difficulties and troubles and temptation and so on. Um, uh, there's a temptation to let despair and defeat and so on uh, depress you and get you away from God and cause you to throw in the towel, cause you to quit college, cause you to make bad decisions in your life and if you're pastoring, maybe to resign your church and leave. I believe there's thousands and thousands of preachers over the, over the years that um, they had some kind of difficulty in their church and they said, well, I guess God's through with me here. I'll just resign and do something else. And they quit the ministry and quit serving God because of a problem that comes. How childish for us to do that as Christians. We have a Savior that we talk about. Man, He can meet all of our needs. He's a wonderful Savior and He saved your soul and you're on your way to heaven and all these great things that God has given you. And we have a difficulty and we want to throw in the towel. We want to quit. <coughs> you know, there's only two possible answers. One is Satan caused the problem or God allowed the problem. You and I are children of God and we have Christ in our heart and we're on our way to heaven. And uh, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And so when you have difficulties and problems this semester, you get a call, phone call from home and some tragedy has happened and you uh, get a, a paper back from one of your teachers and the tragedy has happened and you flunked the test or you made a very bad grade on it or something or, or perhaps maybe some friend that you have in school has turned against you and no longer wants to be your friend or uh, all kinds of negative things happen in a Christian life. But uh, uh, listen, you need to trust the Lord in those bad days. Now, what do you do when bad news comes? What do you do when the tears come and you're sitting and ready to weep and ready to cry, ready to throw in the towel and ready to quit? Number one, believe and trust God and have faith in God that God will not let anything happen that uh, is not His will to allow. Now, He doesn't cause every bad thing that happens in our life, but He allows things to happen in our life. <coughs> he says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, God calls a lot of these problems that we have light afflictions, but uh, which but is but for a moment, worketh for us uh, a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. While we look not at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Your tears will make you better or bitter. Your tears will make you richer or poorer. Your tears will make you, make you stronger <coughs> or weaker. Your tears will be stepping stones to greater things in your life or stumbling blocks that will set you back in your life. Your tears will help you to have faith in God 
or help you to turn into a skeptic and not trust the Lord how you ought to. Dr. Oswald Smith wrote this little note to his sister when her husband died. God understands your sorrow. He sees the falling tear and he whispers, I am with thee. Then falter not, nor fear. God understands your heartache. He knows the bitter pain. Oh, trust him in the darkness. You cannot trust in vain. Oh, how we need to trust God when difficulty comes. That's the important thing. You know, it's easy to trust God when you just got an envelope in the mail and it has some money in it. It's easy to trust God whenever uh, you go to the doctor and he says, you're perfectly healthy, you ought to live to be a hundred. It's easy to have a good attitude and a good spirit when everything seems to be going your way. But it takes character, it takes Christianity, it takes God's help to have victory in times of sorrow, in times of heartache. Many of you know we sing victory in Jesus. And you know that I go around many times and ask somebody, do you have the victory? And folks, I have asked that to thousands of people over the years. And most of the time, every Christian even, when I say, hey, you have the victory? And they look at me like, what are you talking about? What do you mean the victory? You and I, we sing the song, victory in Jesus. Do you have the victory in Christ? When things go wrong, yes, you can suffer for a few minutes, but you need to have the victory. You need to trust the Lord. Um, so let me just say that one of the reasons that God allows bad things to happen to you in your life is He is preparing you for a life of sympathy to help others. If you don't ever go through anything bad, how in the world can you relate, relate to somebody that's going through a difficulty? Most of the time, if you haven't gone through any difficulty, you think, well, what's the guy being a big baby for? That's your attitude. or You may not say it, but that's your spirit about it. But when you have gone through things, it helps you to have sympathy and, and trust. And, and uh, we, we know that when we go through a valley, that God is with us. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Um, let me say that I didn't know how to operate as a pastor in a funeral until my daddy died. Then I realized that's what they're going through when they lose a loved one. That's what happens. And just the other day, just a a couple of days before Christmas, a family in New York calls me on the phone and says, Preacher, Howard Keaton died. Could you come out and do the funeral all the way to New York? 600 miles. They wanted me to come and do the funeral. Why did they want me to come and do the funeral? Because they knew that Roger Bottrell cared. They knew, and they wanted somebody to preach that funeral that loved them and that cared about their loss. 
And let me say, whenever you go through difficulties or problems in your life, God is preparing you to be able to help somebody else that's going through a difficulty or a problem in their life life, and so on. And we need to understand that when somebody has a difficulty or a problem, our hearts need to go out to them. Let me say also that sometimes we have problems because it will lead us to the place to where we are totally 100% dependent upon God. God is the one that's going to bring you through this. God is the one that's going to help you in your difficulty. God is the one that comes down, puts his arm around you, and you can just feel the presence of God in your life when you're going through a difficulty or problem. God's the one that does that. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's the will of God that we get back to him. And he says, that person's slipping away. I need to let a tragedy come to their life so that they will get close to me. I love them and I want them to be close to me and they're just not close to me. And God allows things to happen. The Bible says, As the Father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. In a valley or a trial sometimes, it causes us to look at him as a blessing in disguise. You look back on different things that have been difficult in your life and God wasn't quite as precious then as he was after the difficulty. And you can come to him and say, God, thank you for bringing me through that. Thank you, Lord, for loving me when things went wrong. Thank you, Lord, for helping me uh, in this difficulty in life. Um, I uh, was a sophomore in college. And I didn't want to be a um, preacher. I wanted to be a basketball coach. So I was tra- tra- I transferred to a different school. It was called Bethel Baptist University in Oklahoma. And I transferred to go down there. And I went to college there. I was there the first semester. They voted me president of the student body and so on. And, and anyway... Uh, At the end of that semester, that school went bankrupt. I don't think I was the cause, (laughs) but it did go bankrupt. And I thought, man, what a tragedy. Because I had already gone, that was my sophomore year, I'd already gone a year and a half of college. And now, second semester and all the other colleges have already started and Unless I can find a college that's going to accept my credits from those two colleges, I've wasted two years of college. I thought, what am I going to do? One of my professors in college, his name was Weber, and he uh, said, hey, uh, all of the students, and he addressed all of us, he says, any of you all that want to go to California, I have made arrangements to use a church building out there, a church that's still in operation, Independent Baptist Church, and I will teach all of your classes for second semester. And then if you want to go to Los Angeles Baptist College in Newhall, California, they will accept all the credits that you've taken this year and uh, if, you make, if you make decent grades the first semester. I thought, man, that sounds to me like an answer to keep from... Uh, Wasting these two years. And so I went to California. 
and enrolled in uh, after I finished. And he taught all of us, uh, every class, all the subjects, the rest of that semester. And the next year, I went to Los Angeles Baptist College in Newhall, California, and graduated in four years. Uh, they accepted my credits from Springfield, Missouri, and also uh, Bethel Baptist University, and then also Baraka Baptist College that we started there for one semester, and then just to finish that year, and didn't waste any of the years, any of the classes. So it was a tragedy when it happened, but God worked it out, and it was okay. Just trust the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. You know, uh, God lets us go through the valleys to be a blessing for us to be able to help other people. And, and you know, uh, uh, <clears throat> to, He'll lead us to the place to where we depend upon God. Your dependence is upon Him. I know you have wonderful parents, but you need to depend upon God to meet your needs. You need to depend upon God to answer your prayer. Uh, it's the will of God that you look to Him, the author and finisher of your faith. And uh, folks, He will help you. When, and some of the problems you have, you may not even be able to share them with the rest of the students or with your teacher and so on. But God can help you in your problems. So many people, they'll come and between first semester and second semester... A lot of times there's a bunch of students that quit college. And folks, those of you who came back, I wonder how many of you were tempted the last two or three weeks to just quit college, not even finish your education. Now you're here, thank God for that. But you need to stay here until you finish. <coughs> you know, um, in the valley or trial, it leads us back to Him, and we ought to call upon the Lord. You know, and the psalm says, But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tarryings, O my God. <clears throat> you know, some of the reasons for problems is to keep this world from becoming too attractive. For us. Do you know that Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom, fell in love with that city, though he was trying to do right in his own life, he lost all of his family. All of them went to the devil. And uh, it could be that his wife wanted to, well, hey, if we pitch our tent towards Sodom, we can go down and shop in those nice shopping centers down there and get some really nice stuff. We don't know all the reasons that they, that they did that, but they went down to Sodom and it ruined their lives. This world becomes attractive to us and we, we think we're missing out if we're not involved in the world. But folks, you need to look further than just the uh, thing that you're looking at that's making you desire after the world. You'll ruin your life if you let that happen in your life. <coughs> um, the Bible does say, lay down up for yourselves treasures upon earth uh, look in treasures above and whose uh, builder and maker is God uh, keep our minds on Jesus and look love not the world either the things that are in the world and so on but uh, then also many times we uh, God wants to 
make us homesick for heaven. Heaven got a little bit sweeter for me yesterday. One of my, another one of my men in my church in New York passed away. I sent a text to his wife, and I said, heaven's getting sweeter every day. And folks, it is. And if you'll look to the future and look to eternity and think about things in light of eternity, not just your problems that you're carrying here. Yes, your problems are important and your problems sometimes are really tough to make it through. But look at things in light of eternity. We, uh, this world's not our home. We're just passing through and so on. <clears throat> Ought to make us homesick for heaven. You remember <clears throat> hearing the <clears throat> Handel's Messiah when Handel was writing that, somebody walked in on him and he was sitting at a table writing all of the stuff for Handel's Messiah. And they looked at him very close and he was sitting there weeping. And he found out that he was reading, he was despised and rejected of men. And it was called, caused Handel to weep. And we wouldn't have that great song today. If Handel hadn't gone through those emotional things when he was writing it. Think about that. And next time you hear Handel's Messiah, think of what he went through to write that and so on. Sickness makes us long for a place where there is no sickness. Sufferings make you long for a place where there is no more suffering. Poverty. Makes you long for a place where there's no more poverty. Disappointments. Makes you long for a place where there's no more disappointments. Heaviness. Makes you long for heaven where there is no heaviness. And mourning. Makes you long for a place where there will be no more mourning in the loss of loved ones. Loneliness. Have you ever been lonely? You ever felt like you did not have a friend? Some of you girls once in a while, maybe there's a girl or two here that has not had any young man show any attention toward you to this year. And you pillow your head at night and you think, there's not a man here at Fairhaven that cares for my soul, cares for my life. And you're lonely. And you'll think, I'll never find a husband. But guess what? God knows about it. And He'll help you. Just keep trusting in Him. Don't lower your standards. Don't lower what you believe in. Don't change your life just because of that. You need to trust God with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. And then, fellows, it may be that you have shown attention toward two or three uh, of the young ladies and none of them has showed any interest in you. And you wonder, man, are all of the girls in this school retarded? <laughs> I wonder why they don't have more brains and think of how wonderful it was that I showed them attention. Oh, folks, listen. God sometimes allows problems to come to demonstrate that He is sufficient. He is. He is. 
Oh, listen, I can think back over my life and many different times that I didn't think I was going to be able to make it. Folks, uh, you all heard it before, but you know when you're a husband and you have two kids and your total salary is $10 a week, you don't have enough money to buy groceries and you put $5 a week back in the offering and you're trusting God to meet your needs and you don't know where your meal's coming from and you come home and your wife meets you at the door she says, sweetheart, there's no more food in the house. We don't have anything to even feed the kids. And you know how women exaggerate, so I went in the kitchen to check. I got in there, and I looked at every cupboard in the kitchen. And there wasn't a potato. There wasn't an apple. There wasn't a banana. There wasn't a grape in the refrigerator. There wasn't even any boxes of cereal. The only thing in the whole kitchen was one Quaker Oak box of cereal that had about that much Quaker Oaks in it, and that was it. And I felt like a failure as a husband and a failure as a provider. And I said, okay, honey, I'll take care of it. I didn't know whether I was going to have to go rob a bank or what. But I... uh, Went to my office, pulled out a little chair there in my house, got down on my knees and put my Bible down. I says, oh, God, we're out of food in the house and my kids are hungry. Oh, God, I need your help. I had a problem and I was pouring it out to God and, and man, I didn't know what I was going to do. Do you know, folks, I got up off my knees. God had given me peace, said everything's going to be all right. Just trust me, God, or Roger. And I got up and went in and gave my wife a hug. And I said, honey, I don't know what God's going to do, but everything's going to be okay. I stuck my hands in my pocket. I didn't have any money. God was able to put a $100 bill in my pocket, but he didn't put nothing in it. The mail came. There wasn't anything in the mail either. I said, Lord, what in the world are we going to do? He says, trust me. And folks, honest, in less than two hours, a pickup truck pulls in our driveway. And the whole back end of that pickup was filled with food. And they brought all that food in our kitchen and filled our kitchen full of food. I didn't know nothing about that. But God knew about it. God knew about our problem. He knew about that heartache. He knew about that trial. And when you're in life, listen, it's easy to trust God. You know, we built a a 13,000 square foot building in New York. Broke ground. We only had about 100 people in our church. We didn't have any money. We didn't borrow any money. And one day we raised $60,000. And I ordered the building, and we built this building. It's worth $2 million today. And it's all paid for. And we paid for it as we built it. You know, we built that thing for $250,000. How were we able to do that? Well, because... I knew when I was out of food, I got on my knees and said, Oh, God, 
we got to have food. And in New York, I got on my knees, oh, God, we need some more money for this building. We're building it for you, Lord. It's not for me at all. It's for you. And God provided day after day after day till we had that thing totally built, totally paid for. I saw how God could do it. Folks, God will let you go through some things here at college and then your early life that you, you don't know the outcome and you think, man, I don't know why God's allowing this to happen to me. But God will let it happen so that later on in your life you can have the faith to trust in God with all of your heart. You say, God, you're real and I know you're real and Lord, you led me to do this. And man, would you supply what I need? And God will do it. Um, his grace is sufficient. It really is. First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, verse number uh, uh, 13 somewhere uh, on some of my notes here. I have it. I have it someplace. Oh, maybe it's on that page. Let's see. He says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not. Hey, those that have died... Don't worry about that. Just trust the Lord. Whatever. And even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so also them that sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are uh, uh, alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with them. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Be comforted by the word of God when you have difficulties and problems. Do you know, he never... This is an important point. He never supplies grace until it's needed. He never supplies grace until it's needed. You think about somebody that's had a tragedy and you say, I don't know how in the world I could make it through that tragedy. Man, that is more than a person could stand. There's nothing in the world that God could put you through that you couldn't stand. Because his grace will be given at the proper moment. You're a student here. Now I would just about guarantee that some of you, especially you college students, will be discouraged at times. You're going to want to quit college. It might be because of a relationship or a lack of a relationship with a lady or a man. I don't know what the problem would be. Maybe it's because of trouble at home. And you'll want to quit. But God didn't call you here to college for you to quit. He called you here to finish. And whatever difficulties or problems that you have, you need to trust God because in that moment where you really need to call upon God and trust Him, then He'll give you the grace that you need in time of trouble and help you through another day, another week, another month. And then one day, graduation day will come. One day you'll be pastoring a church somewhere, fellas. 
and you'll have a big problem. You have no idea what you're going to do. But God's grace will be given. 